Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. Headquarters of the future capital of the free thinking state of America known as Los Angeles. This is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, it's interview time again with a return visit from the one and only Duncan Trussell as they discuss the depressed self versus the productive self, the media as a delivery system for fear. Duncan's excitement over his new exercise regime as he's finding out you can indeed free yourself from your own weakness. And the friendly reminder that time wasted that you enjoy is not time wasted. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind. For the Drunken Dows Podcast begins now. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 75 of the Drunken Dows Podcast. As we crank our way through 2015, it's almost over. We're going to be fighting the crowds for the silly holiday season before we know it. But to, to, to get you into the mode of the nonsense of all of it, our friend Duncan Trussell's back for a visit. Um... I'm excluded from visiting for some reason. But luckily, Bolelli was able to sneak a secret microphone in for a conversation at his um, epic new mega facility. Uh, more like Fort Knox than a recording studio, from what I hear. Yeah, no, it was... Um, Duncan had just moved. It was in his new place. He was like, I'm going to be gone for a long time after that. We I just record. picture empty flashlight boxes and black jism running not around. Not quite. Okay. It was... Um, no, it was actually a cool place. I love it. In any case, yes, you guys are in for a treat conversation with Duncan, which is always fun. A um, couple of quick things. The usual thank you to the awesome people who keep sponsoring us. That's Susara with the greatest hemp gear on earth. Backpacks, travel bags, you name it. Everything hemp made is there. Check it out. And as usual, use uh, the discount in the episode notes at thedrunkentowers.com. Uh, discount codes. Um onnit.com for that weird mix of supplements, health products, workout gear. Human optimization. You got it. Yeah, because that's basically what it's about. It's like it's kind of like Obregoin. What products do I like? What products do I want to use in my life? Anything that makes life better fundamentally. So works like a charm. And there are constantly new products being added, new things coming up. Uh, one thing that I've been using a bunch, those of you guys who grapple, if you're into martial arts and you hit the mats, typically grappling mats are not the cleanest thing on earth. So the fence soap is a must. You know, to me, it's like you need to use some kind of soap. If it's not the fence, it's something very much related. You might as well grab the fence soap from on it. It's, you need it. Within minutes of the moment when you finish training, it's the way to go. Um, and of course, Sure Design with the most brilliant t-shirts on the planet. Uh, sure Design is getting, they have this sister site, um, Harem Pants, and uh, 
you have no idea bennett constantly posts these emails he's getting from like a rabid christian fundamentalist to accuse him of uh, you know this is how it starts these damn muslims first want to get us to dress like them and then they are gonna take over and it's like they are in thailand they are non-muslim uh, it's just painful it's, it's like, a wonder the united states survived the i dream of genie phase of the late 60s no, it, it's like those when i see those posts by bennett i, I always die laughing because that the level of human stupidity is like they see the word harem so it must be a muslim plot to take over america i thought he was pretty funny he always has great pictures on facebook yeah, he always no. looks like he's in a great mood yeah it's like he's got a secret him. we don't know good for him no traffic and um, having said all that, let's get down to business. Here we go. Dun, 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 dun. long overdue visit to the drunken Taoist by the man whose good looks makes the god weep tears of envy <laughs> the one and only Mr. Duncan Trussell hello how are you I'm great man how are you how about uh very good thanks man I was about to say welcome here except that we're uh, we're recording in your house so I'm the one who's welcoming to you your studio you say welcome but... you're in your reality tunnel it doesn't I matter see. the geography I like that that works you know I was thinking about it last night I was uh, falling asleep and I was thinking oh tomorrow we're recording with Duncan it should be fun this is gonna be great and out of the blue I had this very bizarre image so forgive me for you ever seen the movie Last Tango in Paris Marlon Brando, early 70s. It's been, and if I did see it, it's been a long, long time. Yeah, I think I saw it when I was probably eight, which is really not the movie you want to show to an eight-year-old, but in any case, right. it's like the story of uh, Marlon Brando setting up this completely anonymous sexual relationship with this woman where they oh, know, know nothing about each other. You know that yes, one? I know exactly what it is. Yes. Yeah. And I was thinking that sometimes the world we live in, in terms of podcasting, we are we're sort of a podcasting equivalent of Last Tango in Paris. It says that if you take out the overtly sexual overtones, we get together, we do this magical thing, yeah. and then we are off our own way. Yep. And half of the time, we have no idea what we do in day-to-day -day life. Yep. There's this... Uh, so uh, you tell me, because you know, in Last Tango in Paris, when he starts breaking the code and he no longer keeps it anonymous, but start asking more personal questions, start volunteering the information. Yeah. She doesn't like it very much and put a bullet in his head. So, Spoiler. Yeah, well, it's a movie from 1972, so yeah. if I spoil it now, I yeah. think there's a... There's... Well, those movies aren't about the end anyway. No, right? exactly. But the issue, I guess, would be if I'm... If I go in that direction, please warn me before pulling out your handgun and dispatching me. So can't once, promise that. Uh, okay, I, I guess I'll have to take my chance, as in the interest of science. But <laughs> the, um, I am curious, man. Like we have recorded three gazillion podcasts. Uh, I feel like on one end I super know you, on the other end I really don't. Yeah. What the hell happens in Mister Duncan Trussell days uh, when they begin and they like how? What's your life like outside of... Two different versions. Do tell. So if I'm depressed, yep. 
then that's one version of life. So I've got two different. I've, I've got a, a one version of life off the rails. Okay. Which is, I'm depressed. I've got some kind of n- neurochemical imbalance happening. I this is stopped because I quit taking MDMA, and I hmm. realized that I was having these. Uh, every few months, I would get this depression, and then hmm. I started r- r- tracing back. You know, what is causing this? And then, of course, it was obvious. It's like, you know, every few months you take ecstasy. Mm-hmm. Every three months, every two months, something like that was what I was doing. And then uh, I just realized I've got a 41-year-old dude's brain. Right. Like, my brain is like California drought when it comes to <laughs> serotonin and dopamine. Right. And when I take MDMA... And squeeze that precious happy fluid out of my synaptic vesicles. It's like my neighbor who fucking waters her driveway for no reason. Just it's concrete. Why not water it? Sure. In the middle of the day, I would yeah, pass her with her hose sense. on, just spraying down hot concrete. No hope of anything. Nothing's gonna yeah. happen there. Like of all the places you could put water, least productive place to put water. Middle of the day. So I, I think that when I do ecstasy now. And I've talked to other people who have this depression, but it doesn't seem to linger mm-hmm. as long. When I do ecstasy, it's like running sprinklers in the middle of the desert. Mm. And all this beautiful stuff my brain is stored up gets leaked out. So when that happens, what, we'll, what I'll go into is no exercise, wake up late, procrastinate, um, uh drink too much mm-hmm. um there a, a kind of weird fogginess comes over me oh, yeah. i don't want to be around people it's all the clinical it's clinical depression it's right. all the symptoms of clinical. so when i'm in that state i just turn into a recluse and try to do as little as possible fair enough did, did this by the way happen before mdma at all like oh yeah the... all my whole life i've so, struggled with depression. okay so it's been kind of an ongoing thing and mdma was just making right. it a little more extreme yeah well no it, no it, it triggers it it seems gotcha. to trigger it okay. because i haven't had that now for some time and i mean i'm guessing it's mdma and for all of you who are I'm very pro mdma if, if it's used responsibly with right. good intentions it's amazing. It's mm-hmm. a, a miracle drug, and I hope that it becomes prescribable. But uh, the last time I did it, I did it completely irresponsibly, and I got spanked by the Lord, as I deserve to be. But so... Um, Sorry if I can... We are opening so many tangents, but I guess the MDMA, what's the difference in your mind between a responsible use of MDMA and the irresponsible one? What does an irresponsible one look like? There's a bunch of oh, irresponsible looks like you do, you're going to do it two days in a row mm-hmm. or when you start coming down, you're going to take more. And then maybe when you come down from that, you'll take more again. <laughs> like, okay. Yes. I see you know irresponsible. I mean? start, yeah. I got that. getting into a junkie mode yeah. where you're like, I'm, I'm just trying to chase the dragon of this ridiculous ridiculously good feeling right and i don't really care about any kind of introspection or internal healing or Mm -hmm. analyzing the part of myself that feels disconnected from my friends or my loved ones or god or whatever which is responsible use i think is where you take it and figure out a nice quiet place to hang out at or even if you can't find a quiet place because you're in a music festival or something taking the time to look into yourself mm-hmm. 
and cut off all the insane external stuff that's happening. See if you can chase down that little nugget of darkness that's radiating anti-light into your heart and then just let the ecstasy do its job as you're right. aware of it and then mm -hmm. you, you could get healed you can heal you it will heal you right if you do it right uh and lots of studies seem to back this up yeah absolutely so yeah so that's responsible use and anyway so yeah depressed duncan is like that and then uh when i'm when i finally get my brain chemicals balanced again then i get really productive I wake up early. I don't have any choice of waking up, by the way. I get the like catapulted out of bed by my brain. Oh, I see. Just it kicks in, and you're just like, go, 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 oh, go. Shit, fuck, shit. Right. <laughs> so, and then. That's not relaxing. Yeah, it isn't. It's not, but it's better than being fucking depressed. I'll yeah, tell no, you that. for sure. No argument there. I'll take the pitchfork of Satan prodding <laughs> me into life a million times over the slow glue trap of the yeah. Grim Reaper's depression. I agreed. So, uh, yeah, so then uh, that version of me, uh, I do, I record podcasts. I'll spend time trying to record the intro to a podcast. Mm -hmm. I go to the gym a bunch right now. I'm training right now. And then at night, I'll go and do stand up. Mm -hmm. And since I've been moving, I've been filled up with that. But if that's not happening, there's always some shit going on, you know, something I've got to do. Right. A meeting, writing meetings, I'm developing a show right now with. Uh, Jack Black's company, Electric Dynamite. Check you uh, out. Yeah, it's cool. So we've been working on that for some time. So nice. There's a lot of stuff like that. And all those things kind of add up. And the next thing you know, you're busy all the damn time. Of course. I mean, I'm guessing that there's not exactly a clear-cut line between you just having fun, hanging out with friends, and work. Because some of these seem to merge with each other. Yeah. You know, a lot of the projects you're doing, you're doing them with people you like, and you're hanging out. and this. But at the same time, there's you're also working. Do you also get sort of the times when you just kick back, just get to play video games with yes. friends, relax, take it easy, or is it go, go, go? No, I do well, that for sure. I'm no workaholic. I will okay. definitely zone out and play Metal Gear Solid Five or something like that. You know, somebody tweeted that old ridiculous saw, that dumb saying, which is actually not a dumb saying, which is time wasted that you enjoy mm -hmm. is not wasted time. Oh, Completely agree. That's an important thing to realize. Of course. So that you don't get plagued by guilt when you find yourself chilling out, getting high, playing video games, and enjoying the sweet nectar of technology. Why not, man? Because, I mean, to me, that's where the yin-yang of it all comes in. You know, there are some people who do that 24-7, and I'm like, I'm glad you're having fun. It's great. But Jesus Christ, get off the couch once in a while. You know, yeah. do something other yeah. than. But then there's the opposite, and you have the people who just drive themselves nuts with go 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 it's like yeah. i just finish a book okay i need to start another one in an hour now yeah. let's start again and i need to do this it's like jesus man is not you don't get a prize at the end for how much you have achieved in terms of uh, look this is my production i've added all this thing to my cv who the fuck cares you those know, people you... remind me of cutters like yeah it seems like they're yeah. intentionally trying to hurt themselves with a supremely stressful schedule because they're you know because it makes them feel yep isn't that or, or no like cutting they say people cut because they hurt so bad that the physical pain and the like cutting themselves causes their brain to release all these endorphins mm -hmm. which calms down this insane pain that they're feeling at every single moment and it seems like workaholics it's some version of that where 
this they if they 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 they're achievement oriented, and when they hit these certain fake finish lines that they set up for themselves, they get that rush of endorphins that gives them a soothed feeling. So that you know, man, I um one of my favorite Ramdas lectures on addiction of any kind uh, says that what we all want to do is come home. Hmm. We all want that feeling of coming home and that feeling of coming home that some people that have a home don't get that feeling of coming home because Mm -hmm. their home environment is not stable. There's no homeostasis. Did you ever read Lord of the Rings? Of course. Tom Bombadil. Yeah, of course. So like it's that kind of that hearth and the Mm -hmm. balance with nature and with life and with your lover and with your kids and that, that thing that is a mythological Mm -hmm. archetype that if you theoretically, if you tune the strings of life just the right way, then it'll start playing those notes. And that is the feeling that those notes are actually coming in from some transcendent realm. And Mm -hmm. that's what we all want is to connect with that. And so drugs, work, video games, all of these things are ways that we try to trick ourselves into thinking that we're home. Yep. And it's, you know, so, and nothing's wrong with that. No, it's how you do it. If it becomes an escapist thing where it's like, I'm doing that in place of the real deal because yeah. you don't know how to get the real deal, well, then you are deluding yourself because it never quite takes you there. Yeah. But if it's, uh, you know, once you figured out, I know how to get home, then you also want to do something in the process. And then you do it not because you have to, but because you want to, because it becomes uh you know, you have so much that's building up inside of you, you want to give it a physical shape, you want to embody it somehow. And that's great. But yeah, it's different from the neurosis of, I have to, that's how I get my self-esteem. And you know, it's funny because that's exactly like what I've been doing for the past few years. I noticed that my, I was like, okay, my life, so much bad shit has happened. I'm going to try to at least I'm going to try to make something epic and I'm going to write 13 different books and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and I'm going to launch this project and that other one and that other one, like 24-7. And the reality is that it doesn't take a genius to figure out that you're running. You know, you're hiding yeah. from something. You're hiding from feelings. You're hiding from stuff that you don't want to deal with. Yeah. You know, there are worse ways of hiding. You know, I could be shooting up heroin all day long, which sure. I guess it would be mildly pleasurable, but also horrendously in the wrong run yeah but at the end of the road is like yeah you may have written whatever you may have done whatever kind of project that allows you to pat yourself on the back and say look i've done a good job haven't i and the reality is still that the way you went about it was a form of hiding and the beginning of healing for me which i'm still far from but i get a taste of has been slowing down has been telling myself you know what if i don't do any of the things that I have on my list, I don't give a fuck. It's totally fine like that. Right. Now, if I was the person who indulged in that a little too much, no, I would need a fire under my ass. But I'm not that person. I'm the one who's going to do a bunch anyway. So just taking 10% of pressure off, allowing myself to sit in the garden and just stare at the sun for no good reason. Just sit there. Hey, look at my cool yeah. garden. Yeah. Let's have... That's so much more healing than anything else. It's nuts. Um, you know, I felt like when I finish, um, I finish this book that's going to be coming out in December. And you know, in my mind, I already have probably 
realistically about 15 files with pages and pages of notes in each one of them. Each one of them is a book that I want to write. Ah. And so the second I finished, I was like, okay, what's the next one? And the best moment was when I told myself, shut the fuck up. There is no next one. Or there may be, you're sure there will be later. No, now, just breathe. You know, enjoy the fact that you have done it. Enjoy the fact that that's where it's at. And, you know, when it's at a healthy pace, yeah, you can pick it up again and look again. Not because it's a compulsion. So totally feel you on that. And you feel that when you're not in the depressed Duncan stage, when you are, you know, all this stuff that you're doing, you're doing it for because you want to, because it's fun, or how much do you feel there's a compulsion there and how much instead do you feel this is you doing your thing and having a great time? Well, the mind is always going to tell you some ridiculous narrative about what you're doing. Sure. As good as, I guess, as good as you can tell, uh, which of course is impossible to be totally objective with oneself, but still. So it's funny, you know, it's like that the mind is, you're going to be, whatever the activity is you're doing, your mind is going to have a habitual response to it based on whatever echo it is that's echoing around in the echo chamber of your consciousness. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'll look at what I'm doing and I'll think this is as all human activity is. It's just the seizure of meat afflicted with (laughs) self-awareness and trying to make some meaning out of what's essentially a complete meaningless field of nothingness that our neurological, our brain is assembled into something that makes sense. I'm going to go on a limb and say, this is not one of the good days when that thought pattern kicks in. Well, I don't know. (laughs) The good day is a good day is not the thought. Uh So it's like, I was talking to this guy, Raghu Marcus, who I've had on the podcast and he said, he's the, he's the, for those of you who don't know who that is, he's a, he's a teacher. He runs Ram Dass's foundation, a disciple of Neem Karoli Baba, really cool guy. And he said to me, the difference between you and me is that I don't pay attention to my thoughts. Hmm. And I thought, oh man, that's just the ultimate summation of everything. And, and that really hit home. And since then I have been watching my uh, thoughts emerge, and then I have been imagining that my poodle is saying them to me. Because <laughs> I have this little Weezy Gatsby. Right. I have this ridiculous, hilariously dumb, awesome, gray poodle. That right. It's really enjoying life and is absolutely ridiculous. And I love him. But the moment that it's Gatsby being like, hey, you know everything's meaningless, right? <laughs> At that moment, it's like, shut up, poodle. <laughs> you don't know anything. You're just a poodle. Right. So I don't know why we give credit to our thoughts. Yep. And I don't, so, and, and, and so my, if I have a repetitive thought loop, I'll ask myself, okay, here's a thought loop in relation to this particular situation. Mm-hmm. But then if you ask yourself, have I had this thought loop before in other situations that are completely different from this one, but it's the exact same thought loop? And then you realize, oh, yeah, of course. It's the, whatever the situation is, is just a screen, and the thought loop is being projected on it. But the thought loop, just because it's repeating, doesn't mean that this, therefore, is true. That's right. happening. Right. Because it's repeated in my life over and over and over again, it doesn't, it's not true. 
it doesn't mean it's true. And so this is where empiricism becomes a very useful tool mm-hmm. when it comes to neurosis because if you start testing your thoughts and, and ask yourself, is this really a meaningless field of phenomena? <laughs> no, it's not a meaningless field of phenomena because I'm applying meaning to it. Right. So it's definitely real. That's just a lazy thought. Yeah, and that's if, when the Zen master stick would come crashing down just like, shut up and come yeah. back to what's real here. You know, that is it. Yeah. That, and you start treating your thoughts as though you're the Zen master yep. and they're your disciples in some Zendo. And when the stupid fucking thing pops up and says whatever the thing is you're most afraid of, whack! Yep. Shut up! I love it. That and the poodle. I think you just gave two golden nuggets Good. to anybody who... Because you're right. I mean, sometimes there's a, there are really ways to drive yourself crazy running if you start giving too much weight to some of the thoughts in your head. And instead, it's just like, I hear you. You're there. Great. Thanks. Bye. See ghost. you. And, uh, and let it go. Annoying know? ghost. Yeah. Seriously annoying. But that's why, in fact, I actually like the poodle, where it's not even just uh, the annoying ghost. It's like, it's this cute little crazy poodle who's trying to make meaning. It's like... It's just, it, you can make it whatever you it's want. It's entertaining. Absolutely. You, there's all kinds of... I mean, whatever you want to do, it's the invisible man trick. Yeah. Throw paint on it and make... You, the paint can be whatever color you want. If you, you know, If we have an invisible man in the room and you manage to to know where he's at because he's making noise or whatever mm-hmm. then it wouldn't be that hard to put a duck mask on him so suddenly there's going to be a duck talking to you and it's the same way with your thoughts you can get right. you get to wardrobe your thoughts you don't have to they don't just get if you let your thoughts wardrobe themselves they're going to put on a, a crown and a scepter or they're going to put on the robes of some wise uh-huh. advisor I don't mean to keep doing Tolkien references, but remember, no, please. remember Wormtongue? Of course. And he's whisper, he's like sucking the, yep. he's from Mordor and he's sucking the life out of this king mm-hmm. by whispering all this paranoid bullshit to him. Yep. Clearly that's Tolkien's reference to negative thought patterns or to vampiric people, but generally negative thought patterns. And there's a beautiful Shakespearean reference in there because there's a story, I think in Hamlet, where they talk about this uh, king who's asleep and the poison is dropped in his ear. Which is very much the warm tongue, you know, whispering. Somebody who's not in a full aware state of consciousness where they can see it coming and block it and defend themselves. There's this whisper in the background that keeps nagging at you and drives you deeper and deeper into sickness and bad things. Which is kind of what a lot of what happens around us all the time anyway, if you let it. You know, a lot of the negative feedbacks, a lot of the sort of the bad stories about our life that either we tell ourselves or that other people tell us. And if you listen too much to it, or rather if you don't stop them from coming in, they can become the poison that gets into your ear when you're asleep. Yeah, and, and then you start distributing that poison to everyone around you. Absolutely, yep. And, and I've seen, you know, I, I've, it's, it's sad to watch, but I've, you know, I have friends, I know people who are really afflicted by fear. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and they can't... And I, some, lately it, it's been, for whatever reason, thank God, I've been able to uh, not react so much to it, though I still do. But, like, it, some people, I watch this terrible documentary about this specific type of dam mm-hmm. where it wasn't, it, it, where, it's not a documentary, it was a thread on Reddit where it's like, look at this boat get destroyed by a dam. It got pulled up next to a dam and it's getting rolled 
So these dams, the water's there's this t- there's the way the water's hitting it creates an undertow, mm-hmm. and once you get sucked in, you start getting rolled mm. on, at, at the bottom of the dam. There's just no way out. You're just yeah. it's a death roll. You're gonna die. And these dams, what'll happen is someone will go out there, they'll start struggling, they'll start going down. Someone else will come to save them, and someone else will go to save them, and they're all getting sucked into this thing. And there's yeah. and so three or four people will die. So. Um, in the same way, many people have gotten pulled into this undertow of their thought patterns mm-hmm. and are now being rolled through this mm. dimension. And, and if you go to save them in the wrong way, if you're not a careful, they, you will get pulled into the same fucking thing. Oh, yeah. And the next thing you know, you're pl- you've now entered into their reality tunnel of fear. And so now, now you, that's, how, that's why it's really tricky like it's a version of why you have to wear special outfits when you go to ebola regions because yeah, right. you could get such a my my neighbor uh is a great example of this uh same one who waters the concrete no, a, different known, a different neighbor okay so um our uh house has got Like going up to, there's, I don't know if you noticed it, but basically one of my neighbors will put a, a chain uh, in front of everything with no trespassing signs everywhere, okay. everywhere, everywhere. Security cameras everywhere, everywhere, which is cool. Like we're safe up here, I guess. Yeah. Very monitored. But uh, I ran into him walking the dogs. Nice guy. Uh, but he's like telling me about, you know, make sure if, if you can to remember to put the chain up and. He looks at the dogs and he's like, yeah, there's coyotes, so be careful with the dogs. And I'm like, don't the coyotes usually come out at night mostly? And he's like, they're out all the time, all the time. Right. And then I realized, oh, your universe is a universe of pure and absolute danger that you're fighting against and you're constantly in this struggle against this yeah. in, this demon. And then so many other people that I, I – I, when you talk to people right away, they'll be like – they'll just start telling you what they're afraid of because sure. they're plagued by it. Well, and the thing that's tricky about it, this is the mental fuck up, is that, you know, there are a million things that you can say, ah, this is an illusion that you're letting yourself bring yourself down from, you know, there's all this stuff that we make up. Now, a lot of the fear stuff is real in the sense that we do live in a scary universe to some degree. We do live in a universe in which anything can happen, any minute in which there is. So you can see how somebody's not totally making it up, but at the same time, the fact that they indulge in it to the point where they feel it and see it everywhere in in fear of what may happen, what's about to happen, what could happen, what's then suddenly is not a realistic component of life. It becomes all of life. It Have becomes... you been accused of being a CIA agent yet? Not yet. I will work on it. Oh, you know what? No, I have. Sorry. Take that back. Yes, I have. You know, because I didn't take Bitcoin donations. That was why. And and they were like, you're, you're working. And so I was them. clearly working for the CIA. Me and Chris Ryan. Yes. So there you go. Yeah. So now that's a fun thing to be accused of. Being mm-hmm. in the Illuminati, being in some occult uh, circle, being in some secret society, being a disinformation agent. Those are fun things to be accused of because you can look instantaneously into your life and know... I don't work for the CIA and I'm not in the Illuminati and I'm not in a cult and I don't uh, spread disinformation, though I definitely say things that maybe aren't accurate, but I'm quickly 
scolded by people on the internet and I <laughs> sure. try to repair the inaccuracy if I can. Shit, they give you so much shit about Gandalf the Grey and Gandalf the White. Exactly. I still remember it now. Things yes. like that. Yeah. So that's cool because you realize here is pure paranoia. Yeah. This person mm-hmm. is is firing his conspiracy gun no. at the exact wrong target and it shows you firsthand how ridiculous people can become if they allow themselves to get too sucked in to a version of reality that isn't really happening. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's true. People yeah, the universe is dangerous and people do bad things and people often have bad intentions and blah, 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 blah. Guess what else? The universe is benevolent. Right. People aren't innately malicious. Mm-hmm. People generally have no intention to hurt you at all. They're just selfish or they've lost track of uh, yep. what they're doing. Right. There's two. Ver- you get to pick the version of the universe you want to be in. Absolutely. Benevolent or malicious. You pick. Tearing you to shreds or... Uh, healing you whenever right. you've been torn to shreds or some mixture of both or you know the I think it's benevolent I think it's to me the universe feels quite benevolent and and uh, and I, I mean even benevolent in the way that it kills you even benevolent <laughs> in the way that it devours you even the the way that it's ripping you apart inevitably is a form of healing so that's a very Ram Dass thing to go down to because I mean it. I get it. You, you know, get to pick. I see it. Yep. You mm. get to pick, man. You're either you're either getting a a kind of surgery that uh, we call death, mm-hmm. where you're the restraints of the physical body that are currently holding keep keeping you away from infinity in this fleshy, stinky mm-hmm. membrane. Uh, that's either being removed by time and space because you want it wants to free you or you're just getting it you're getting digested by some chaos vortex that you accidentally incarnated in yeah one is a considerably better version than the other for sure and i mean and you see that too in uh, you know the fascination that people have for catastrophe you know, the fact that since day one, people have been expecting the apocalypse any minute. And, you know, eventually somebody will be right, maybe, yeah. you know, it's like, but there's this almost morbid fear slash desire. You know, there's this, uh, on one end, there's this desire to see it happen. And on the other end is, no, no, I'm really afraid of it. But why do you spend all your fucking time worrying about it? You know, everything is about, and again, if it's not, uh, the Mayan calendar is some, comet the year impact. 1000, there is the comet. September 25th. Is, that's uh, the newest one. We're supposed to get one. It's the 19th. So we're supposed to get one on Friday. Comet impact is what the new conspiracy theory is. The 25th well, of September. I'm glad I got to see your house before the comet strikes. <laughs> Thanks, and it's all, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't know. I get it to some degree. At the same time, again, it's the same symptom of this uh, lack of ease with reality, as is, with the word as is. You know, it's either a desire for, you know, let's wipe it all down so that we can rewrite all the rules and start from scratch because I don't like my place in the world. I don't like the world as is. Or, you know, but it's pretty trippy and it's very easy to get sucked into because then, you know, it's kind of like the way media works. Everything is about... You should really be afraid of this. You know, the terrorists are coming. Some deadly flesh-eating virus is in your water. This other thing, everything, the hook that they hold you to watch after the commercial break 
is always fear. It's always yeah. there's shit that's going to kill you. Let us tell you about it so that maybe you can avoid it. You know what I think it is, man? It's, I mean, one, one, one thing outside of the news and being obsessed mm-hmm. with the news. <clears throat> it's not going outside. I think that if you, like, if you spend, you know, lately I've been getting up in the morning and I go sit on my porch in the sun. And I, like you were saying in your garden, mm-hmm. I just sit there. Yeah. Call it meditating if you want. It's not really any kind of structured meditation. I just sit there and let the sun hit my body, listen to the sound of the wind, the distant work that's going on in the neighborhood, the the chirping of birds, and all of a sudden, I'll notice a warmth inside of me, like the sun is penetrating into Mm -hmm. my um, like emotional being, and then this weird warmth will uh, appear inside of inside of me, and that warmth is wonderful it is it reminds me of vicodin or something it's this <laughs> i've only you know the sometimes when i take vicodin which i don't i don't do that often but i'm would be remiss if i said that i didn't enjoy narcotics they're amazing that's right. what people's lives are destroyed by them they're incredible i i i don't get addicted i just flush them down the toilet i like shitting and vicodin <laughs> keeps that from happening but when i've taken vicodin or a narcotic it feels like I'm holding my hands over some kind of chemical fire. You know, it's just incredible warmth from a narcotic. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable. But I get that very same warmth just sitting in the sun in the morning. Yeah. Even if you're tired. Yeah. Get yourself up in the fucking morning. Go sit in the sun. Listen to your body. Notice your initial mood state. And watch that melt. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, it doesn't work all the time. But now you're going to have a better day. Definitely. And you might not think about the end of the world as much. And if you do think <laughs> about the end of the world, you'll at least recognize that you're not you're getting off on it. You're enjoying yeah. it. You're, there's a kind of masturbatory aspect to your obsession with the apocalypse mm-hmm. that has nothing to do with survival instincts at all, but is either a tail feather that you're throwing up in an attempt to attract a mate or to gain respect. <laughs> right. Or is... Uh, uh, just a escape mechanism for you to keep you from dealing with your own personal apocalypse, which is definitely going to happen. And I think that for some reason it's more comforting for people to die with everyone else on the planet. That's easier to think about than the fact that you're just going to die in bed or in a car or in a plane or whatever in the lawn. Of course. And and that's definitely going to happen. That's harder to deal with. Yeah. And that's selfish. It's yeah. the height of selfishness to be yeah. like, Ugh. if I'm going down, it Everybody. better be in a fiery bowl where the whole universe explodes. Yeah. That's more the way to do it. It's so fucking selfish. Yeah. No, it's, I give you, that's pretty damn weird right there. Well, switching gears, I guess. Um, you were saying about in good Duncan mode when things are working, you're working out a bunch. Last time we recorded something, you were saying you're training Muay Thai now. Training Muay Thai. Please do tell. That sounds fascinating. Well, I've got a trainer. Uh, I've been going. It's something that I have kind of been holding off talking about because, like, oh, I, in that case, don't. No, I don't mind. Know. I'll talk about it. It's fun. I, I, um, so I'm doing an experiment. Uh, I have been for the majority of my life pretty lazy. Never have managed to get myself in shape. Uh, I've never had a disciplined workout schedule for a, a really long period mm-hmm. of time. <clears throat> And uh, so as an experiment, I wanted to see 
can I transform the way my body looks in my health? Uh, but you know, can I pull it off? Can I yeah. actually create a transformation? So I just started going to this trainer three times a week and, uh, it's definitely working. Um, and part of the training is we train Muay Thai and so, which is just a beautiful practice. It's just awesome. incredible. Like, but working out is a beautiful, like the, like the moment you start exercising, mm-hmm. then it's like you've got gained access to a brand new scripture that, uh, is written in the way your body reacts mm-hmm. to pain and to injury and the way your body balances and the way your body gets, because when I started working out, man, when I, this was months ago, when I started doing this, I couldn't do a pull up. Right. That's how weak I was. Mm-hmm. And my trainer is amazing. George Chen, shout out. Uh, he's like, you're going to be doing tons of pull-ups. And I'm like, well, all right, but I don't think that's going to happen, man. But he had this like really cool technique where like, to, you know, it's like an old man. Like he, he like started with like Yoda style straps that you I would like have on my feet, you know, yeah. like weird things like that. So you start doing that, and then like you're doing all these other exercises to strengthen your back and your upper. And then now, bam, pull ups, no fucking problem. Pull ups are awesome. Pull ups are awesome. And when you and it's like holy shit, I've got this brand new superpower. Yep. And you realize that your body has done this amazing thing based on adaptation. Where and another aspect of working out all the time is um, the thought popped into my head like I picked something up and I was like, man, this is light. This is way lighter than I expected. Mm-hmm. And then like everything, you realize everything starts seeming lighter. Mm-hmm. You're like, why does everything seem lighter? And it's like, shit isn't lighter. You're stronger. Of course. So it's like stuff. So you start experiencing these massive changes that are very reminiscent of a meditative practice. Oh, when you start meditating. Totally. You experience a very similar kind of change, which is that shit that seemed heavier and catastrophic stops seeing seeming mm-hmm. as heavy. And it's not because the thing is less heavy or less catastrophic. It's that you have managed to uh, reduce your reactivity to external phenomena. And then you realize my mind and my body are the same, the same principles that apply to it. Like, I, I don't mean to go on a rant here, but I am excited. No, but about that's a good shit. rant and I, I, I like it. About it. Um, so... As part of this training program, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we we started doing deadlifts. Mm-hmm. And deadlifts are a very dangerous exercise. If you don't sure. know what you're doing, if any part of your body is, if you're if you're if you do them wrong, you fuck yourself up. Yep, really bad. And they were telling me this. The trainers at, at Equinox are like hardcore, so they would like when I first started doing them, like a couple of them would stand and watch to try to teach me and. George was like, if you feel anything in your lower back, drop the weight. Anything, anything. Just don't do it. Now, I'm so used to doing other exercises that whatever. I'm used to a little bit of pain when I do the exercises. The muscle is reacting to the weight, whatever. I'm used to that my whole life. That's what it's been like. So I'm like, whatever. Feel a little twinge in my lower back as I'm pulling this thing up. I'll power right through that fucking twinge. It's the beginning of all good decisions right oh there. Oh, my yes. God, dude. I don't know what happened, but there was this, like, just just a, a – uh, something just went wrong back there. Yeah. And I suddenly – I'm on my hands and knees all of a sudden. I can barely stand up. My back is spasming. <clears throat> so for, like, 
two weeks, I was like for definitely for a week completely incapacitated. People were pulling me out of chairs. I was worried I had a slipped disc. I didn't blame it on Equinox though, because they were very clear. It was totally my fault, and I'm a fool, and fools have to learn this shit through pain. But I tell the story only because George was explaining exactly what was going on. Uh, it's because I was going in and doing like real like senior citizen style exercises yeah. in the interim I, I, when I could finally get back to the gym. But he was explaining a muscle spasm is the like an airbag in your body mm-hmm. where if you've injured yourself, your muscles will start spasming in the area that they want to immobilize so that you won't hurt yourself more. Yeah. So these muscle spasms that are so fucking annoying are your body's way of being like, don't move. Yeah. Don't fuck with this place. We've got to be careful with this part of your body so that you don't injure it more. And then since the mind and the body are connected, I realized, oh, these repetitive thought patterns are the mental equivalent of muscle spasms. Mm-hmm. And these repetitive thought patterns are arrows pointing in the direction of some core injury that definitely didn't happen uh, today, but it happened a way, way long time ago. And when you start realizing how beautiful it is that your mind and your body are working on the exact same principles. (laughs) Yeah, they do the same thing. It's a mind blower, and it's an an incredible teaching. Right. That's one one of my favorite things that I'm getting out of this, I guess you can call it a practice or workout program that I'm doing. That's awesome, man. That's... So... Do you think there's a decent hope that it becomes a practice that you see yourself keep? Because, I mean, you see, like, the benefits are huge. You seem to be, like, you have a child at Christmas smile when talking about it. You're obviously super excited. I love it. Uh, do you think the odds are you're able to keep this up as yeah. a semi-regular thing? For sure. Or that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I don't. I'm, you get so addicted to it. Like, oh, yeah. I, I didn't know that I wasn't working out. Like I used to mm-hmm. work out, but I wasn't working out. Like, right. I'd go to the gym, I'd do some bench presses, do some bicep curls or something, do some sit-ups, maybe run on the treadmill, mm-hmm. leave the gym with a kind of maybe a sweat, maybe having broken a sweat. Right. That is not fucking working out. I was tricking myself. Right. That is working out is creating a fight or flight response mm-hmm. in your body, like where you you are out, like doubled over, out of breath, wanting to puke. You you push yourself to the very edge of what you think you can do. You you and you get angry. That's the other fun thing about <laughs> it. It's like with my trainer, I was, like at times I want to be like, "What the fuck are you doing to me?" <laughs> Which you is should why do that. Right. But it's so funny, like with a gym and working out and physical exercise, it, it's normal. It's a little highfalutin, but it's normal to have a teacher in that mm-hmm. situation. But with spirituality, even though it's again and again and again, they say you need a teacher. Right. For some reason, when people talk about that, they're like, don't get into a cult. Yeah, well, it's the of same course. same fucking thing. Of course. Yeah. And with a good teacher, it's the same thing where a good yep. teacher will tell you things and show you things that maybe you don't like and that piss you off. And anyway, if building muscles comes from pushing yourself to the extreme wall of your physical ability, then it must be true if the mind and the body are operating on the same mechanisms that a meditative practice or true... Yeah, needs to push you. Needs to... Yes. Yeah. 
Yes, you've got to push yourself. And of course, there's a balance, as the, your deadlift experience indicates. You know, uh-huh. there's there's a healthy push in yourself, and then there's a push in yourself when you really shouldn't. So sometimes, you know, people sometimes get too excited with the pushing yourself notion, and it's all about the no pain, no gain, man. Yeah. And it's a recipe for you know walking bent over by the time you're 45. And yeah. you're not, so of course, there's also training smart. You know, so it's again, it's about the delicate balance between push as long as it's healthy. Yeah, right. And then there's a point after which is no longer healthy. And if you keep pushing, you're just screwing things up. Theoretically, though, yeah. if your body sends out these warning signals to you, mm-hmm. your mind is going to do the same thing. If you start, it's just trickier yeah. because the mind will fool you. Yeah. You know, into thinking, oh, yeah, don't do that. I mean, it's not like you're going to meditate yourself into a fucking. No. I don't know, though. I just had this wonderful artist, Jim Woodring, on the podcast, and he was he's really into um, a, a style of a, a spiritual practice. It's very disciplined and very hardcore. And he was saying, you can definitely hurt yourself with mm-hmm. certain breathing exercises for certain forms of pranayama, as it's yep. called, certain kinds of, like, I don't know what it is, but yep. some form of breathing mixed mm-hmm. in with visualization. You can, like somehow like damage yourself oh, yeah. it's kind of cool yeah no it's uh yeah i've heard a lot of stories of that kind of stuff happening where the same you know the same practice that one guy is doing is leading to awesome results and you tweak it just a tiny bit wrong at the right time by the wrong person and it leads to less than pleasant things this so, is why you need a, this is why you need a teacher yeah no and in fact yeah having uh, and i think that's why because humans are so freaking prone to turning people into my guru, my gu- not guru in a good way. Guru as in kind of like the deferring responsibilities. Like you are the authority. I'm the damn student. Yeah. Please show me the way. Because the reality is I want you to do the work for me. You know, I want you to give me the prepackaged solution. Right. Whereas, you know, a good teacher is a guide. It's like, hey, this is the path I've been through. Don't go into that turn because you yeah. end up in the swamp. Go this way. But at the end of the day, they can't walk it for you. you and they are it. just giving you tips you know you gotta fucking do it exactly it's like somebody who drew a map for you it's like that having a map of course you need it no argument there at the same time uh, people some that's where the, the, if you take it too far the cultish mentality kicks do you have in, a, which is, a uh, teacher do you have a teacher no you know what it is it's funny actually there's a dude that's um i started going maybe a year and a half ago i go to this um officially he's a chiropractor and i went and i'm not philosophical and on multiple levels i'm not really all that thrilled with chiropractic yeah so i was like kind of distrustful and on multiple levels yeah. but i was like oh what the fuck i give it a shot you know and it's like and this dude clearly does not do anything that resembles chiropractic is just the official title of what it is but you know he's this japanese older japanese gentleman who um you know chats with you as this uh, chatty happy thing that's these very minor manipulations that are not the classic chiropractor. Crack, crack, yeah. you know. You barely feel it, and you feel like, okay, when, when do we start? But what he's doing in this super minor way is the whole treatment. And on the surface, is like, okay, you're not doing shit. You're chatting with me. What's going on? Every single time I've seen this guy, I walked away, and I spend a week way happier than the previous wow. two weeks I've spent. <clears throat> And I'm always puzzled. I'm like, what the hell happened in here? You know, what's going on? Because A, he's freakishly sensitive to where I'm at. Like, he'll tell me, 
oh yeah, the reason why you're feeling this and this is because of what happened with your daughter in this last week that she got mad and you got scared for wow. her and da da da. And I'm like, how the fuck do you know? <laughs> you know, are you just watching me or something? Wow. How did you know that? You know, and like 95 out of 100, he's dead on. And then he like, I don't know how, I have no idea on a physical level or on a mental level, because again, we're chatting and doing these very mild type of adjustments. Somehow I walk out and I'm happier. I have a clearer sense of what I need to do. What... So I look at him and I'm like, please, dear guru, uh, I'm not worth it. I'm not worth it. But it's funny because he doesn't put himself that way. He doesn't put himself up as the the big teacher. He has, I don't know, man, there's something... I almost wish it did. You know, I almost wish that I could just say, hey, can I actually just come hang out with you and you tell me about life? And so I... You want him to be the way... You see, that's the other thing is the mind wants you, the, these teachers, you, your brain will be like, no, that's not it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the way it's, it's going to be is the way I see it. Yeah, I want the Yoda in the swamp that yeah. I put him on my back and we... You know, it's, it doesn't uh, work like that. It's not going to be what you yeah. expect. That's one thing's for certain. It ain't going to be what you fucking expect because if it... what Because the... The teacher is going to be outside of your expectations. Mm -hmm. yep. And that's what's cool about it. Is it's going to pull you past the limit of your expectations into a whole nother dimension that's, that's out there, man. And, you know, yeah, so that's cool. I, I like to go to that guy. That sounds really awesome. Absolutely. It's like, I kid you not, if we did nothing physically, if we did no adjustment, we just sit down and talk every month, I would be perfectly happy with that. Because it's like the effect he has on me is unfailing. It's like I can walk in and I'm, maybe I'm depressed. Maybe I am in a shitty mode. Maybe I am in one, trapped in one of those patterns where I know better of, you know, why I shouldn't be in this space, but I still am and I yeah. can get out. And I go hang out with him for an hour and he's like, tweak. And I walk out and I'm like, oh, it's gone. It's all done. That's it's cool, all... man. You got to get help. Yeah. You know, this is the thing. I don't know what the problem is. Like, people get so mired in their own ego mm -hmm. that they want to do everything themselves. Yep. They want to be an expert at everything. They want to feel like they know how to do everything perfectly without doing any work in the direction yep. of that perfection. To quote God, I can't remember his name. One of my favorite, there's a weightlifting video. Have I shown you that weightlifting no. video? Hold on. I want to play it. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Everybody want to be a bodybuilder, but nobody want to lift a heavy-ass weight. Yeah, <laughs> indeed. It's true. That, to me, it sums it all up, man. And it, I don't know what it is about me and why I spent so many years thinking I knew how to fucking lift weights when I didn't. Right. I don't know why I, I thought in my brain I knew how to train when I didn't. From watching, what, a couple of YouTube videos? Yeah. From reading an Arnold Schwarzenegger book I bought at a Walden Books when I was 16, <laughs> I thought I knew anything about it at all. Right. In the same way, I don't know why people think that, they're, that they don't need help. Mm -hmm. I don't know why people don't go, when, when they're in pain, why they don't ask for help. Whether yep. it's emotional pain or physical pain, mm -hmm. why aren't you reaching out to people to help you? Yeah. Just get help. Go to a psychologist. Go to a therapist. Go to a chiropractor. Go to a healer. Get healed. Yep. There's healers in this dimension. Healing happens. Healing works. Mm -hmm. People will heal you. Why are you riding through life with blisters and sores all over your body, that it, metaphysical blisters and sores, that explode from time to time on your friends and family in the form of your depression or yep. whatever, and you're not getting help? Right. Why are you doing that? Go get help. 
big time and i think that's uh you know these uh nobody can understand me nobody can help me nobody it's it's bullshit it's like uh, yeah just because you're not gonna necessarily find the first person around the corner who's able to help you that does not mean that there's nobody who can able to give you something to help you along the way so i completely agree and get a trainer uh, yeah exactly whatever is needed to especially a trainer yeah you're uh, you love this guy yeah if you're somebody who wants to get in shape yeah as i have been whether i like it or not for my whole life and i'm not saying i'm in shape now but i'm in the best shape that I've been in in Let's years. Let's check that bicep. What do we have there? Check that out. It's not bad. But no, no, there's growth there. There's I growth say. for sure. And but you know, you get that you can see the uh, 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 growth with the amount of weight that you can lift. When mm-hmm. you start, when you start realizing, like, my God, when I came in here, I could. It's so embarrassing. I'm sorry, guys, but I just love it. And I, it, to me, it's very spiritual. When I came in here, there was this amount of weight that I could, you know, bench yeah. press or squat. And now I'm doing double that. Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck? This is insane that this is actually working out. So the way I, trainers are for, are for whatever reason, well, they're, a lot, they're looked at as a luxury. Mm-hmm. But the way I see it is this. When you pay for a trainer, you're instead of putting money in the bank in a savings account, you're saving money in your body. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're creating a lot – like – if you can transform your body to get into shape, you're going to save so much money down the line in medical expenses yep. and in suffering. You're going to save so much money because if you don't work, if you don't exercise, yep. if you don't take care of your body, especially if you're like in your 40s like I am, forget it, dude. No, big time. And and even the in the immediate results, not even down the road, the stuff you were saying earlier about depression, I mean, really it's like it's almost common knowledge and yet people still don't do it that the number one thing to do before anything else is try to exercise like a motherfucker. Yes. See if that starts chipping away at the depression. Now, obviously, that's no substitute for actually dealing with some of the issues that may be playing in your brain day in and day out. But sometimes, and this is the trick, trying to access, trying to work on the mind through the mind doesn't work. Right. Sometimes you need to come through the back door trying to work through the body without even bothering trying to address the mind. And suddenly something switches and the same thoughts you had, they are still there, but the way you perceive them, the way you relate to them, the way you can handle them is completely changed. Completely changed. And is it large, like to me, literally sitting on a bench and lifting some stupid weight over my chest repeatedly is the greatest meditation that anybody has ever invented. It's just like I walk out of the gym and I feel a sense of like, ah, now it's me again. I feel like, I'm in my body again. I'm human again. And it's, and you know, what's, what's the arm in trying? The worst case scenario is you'll still be depressed and you'll be in awesome shape. At least you can admire your abs and say, I'll go back to being depressed in one minute. But damn, those are awesome abs. And before you say you can't afford it, before you say there's no way I can do it, calculate the amount of money you're spending on cigarettes, mm-hmm. booze, yep. and all the other bullshit that you're putting into your body. And just imagine what if I spent this money for a month on somebody teaching me yep. how to exercise. And it's, man, we sound like, I sound like an asshole, but I'll tell you, this is this, ex- I've been doing this experiment, it's not over, there's probably another six months in this experiment to go, but thus far, I gotta say, man, it's the it's had as profound, if not more of a profound an effect than meditating, 
more profound an effect than psychedelics. Yep. More profound an effect than a- anything, really. Just, oh, Jesus. That's really working for well, you. That's awesome, you're man. you're freeing yourself. From, yeah. You're freeing yourself <clears throat> from your weakness. You're freeing yourself from your mm-hmm. – it, it's like you've been encumbered by your own by, – by this – by your entropy, you know? Mm-hmm. And when you start pushing that away – and doing the sim- – it's all symbolic. Mm-hmm. When you're lifting heavy weights, you're not really lift- – you're lifting heavy weights. But on another level, you're showing yourself that obstacles that get in my way, I can overcome. Yep. And if you realize, my God, if this works in the universe where over a period of time, if I do this series of repetitive movements and my ability to, to lift weights doubles because now I can see clearly I'm, I've doubled the amount I could do – I could squat. When I first came in, I couldn't. Yep. It was I, I could barely, you know, I could barely fucking do it. Now it's no fucking problem. So when you realize that, then it's like, okay, if that works here, then I guarantee it works in every other part of your life. Absolutely. So now, if you bring that into your daily life, and some shitty thing happens, where normally you would react to it by screaming at someone, or normally you would react to it by going into some baby style rage, I have found. That I, my ability to keep my cool and not freak out suddenly is increased as well. Absolutely. Which, what, why is there a connection? I don't know. And I just, I'm sorry, you guys, I don't mean to go on this health kick. But the other crazy thing that happened is when I hurt my back, within a day after, I got a cold. And so I was talking to my trainer about that. I'm like, yeah, just bad luck. I got a cold. And he's like, no, they're connected. Yep. It's all connected. Your immune system, your all of it is connected. So mm-hmm. you injured yourself here, and it opened yourself up to sicknesses in other places. So, it, and I think mentally, it's probably the same thing too. Yeah, it's all connected. And when you start realizing that, just like you're saying, mm-hmm. you enter your body, you enter your mind through your body, yep. and watch what happens. Yeah, because it's kind of like if uh, you are too tense, you are nervous, you are dizzy. If you try to sit down and say. Now I'm going to meditate and I'm going to relax. (laughs) It's like, yeah, that's going to happen. Right. That's just like that. Sometimes you need to do something other than tackling the problem directly in order to really solve the problem. Yeah. And, uh, And it's magical when it works. That's why to me is the greatest medicine there is, is just. And whatever that may be, but it that needs to be working out. So it needs to be sweating. It needs to be engaging. It's not, you know, playing around on golf, which again, I have do everything you want for fun, but yeah. there's something, it needs to be something that seriously makes you sweat and makes you go, damn, that was heavy. Oh, you know? fuck. Jesus Christ, I can't breathe. Fuck. Fuck that feeling. Yeah. Don't hurt yourself. Don't no, give yourself exactly. a heart attack. Exactly. But get yourself to that Push point yourself. where you walk yeah. out of the gym and you feel like somebody injected quaaludes into your legs. <laughs> you know that feeling where your legs are like wobbly and yep. syrupy and you, yep. you kind of have, like people think you've like, sprained your ankle or something because you're shuffling to your car that's where you want to be and then you sleep like a god because you you have the well-deserved sleep of somebody who used a bunch of energy and once you hit the bed you're like i deserve (sighs) it now i'll go into the deepest of sleep and it's yeah your bed it's a different bed indeed you start lifting weights you upgrade your mattress and just suddenly you're in the most comfortable bed (laughs) exactly and also, if you're a man, there's the not secondary benefit of uh, enduring amorous uh, encounters. You can pick up a woman and uh, help yes. bounce her up and down in standing yes. position, which is definitely a huge plus. Yes. 
that is for sure. I mean, it goes into every yeah. area of your life. It does not just stop at your body. Oh, yeah. It goes into everything. Yep. No, there's something about women who have been with people, with guys who are really not athletic at all who then get to have some guy who is very athletic the smile on the face when commenting on the difference before any word got to be said that says a lot about right. the experience. Yeah. Well, it's just, I mean, yeah. You, and it's, it's just, it's odd. It makes sense. Of course. It, I mean, you have some poor dude who's like out of breath. The second he lifts his finger is like grants on you after three thrusts and pass out. That's not going to be the most pleasurable experience no. of her life. That's for sure. But, and I just think there's just something generally attractive about a person who's going for it. Mm -hmm. Like a person who's just made the decision. Yep. I don't give a fuck if this is just an empty, meaningless waste of time here in this dimension. I don't care if mm -hmm. that's what's happening. While I'm here, I'm going to move in the direction of perfection yep. in my life. If I can. Not in, not so I can judge people or no. not because I'm sure give like not so I can have, have but because there is a beauty mm -hmm. in that path. Absolutely. The moment you start making those decisions and, and, and transforming those decisions into action, the, you're walking in the direction of a brand new dimension, a dimension where objects are lighter, sex is better, mm -hmm. sleep is better, you can eat more. Yep. And you just feel better in general. Yep, yep, yep. So, I mean, yeah, I know most of you already know this by now, but I, I, I guess I won't, I would talk about this stuff. I've talked about this stuff before, but I've never brought, I've never made it, I've never taken the steps to really do it myself. Right. Which always bothers yeah, me. Yeah, of course. It's like, you guys do it. It's yeah. really good for you. But, but since I've been doing it, yeah. I feel like I can start talking about it now because I've been doing it for about six months now. Uh, Six months will make serious changes already. Yeah, it's some, it's That's, definitely does. And so now I feel like, yeah, it's my, not only was my theory that this sort of lifestyle would radically make you happier, but now I've, I, I, I'm finding that, that it's true for sure. And it's actually showing me things that I didn't expect. Good and bad. It's also showing me where my limits are. You well, know, of like, course, there's no bad. And when you think about it, it's six months. Is not in the greatest scheme of seeing six months are nothing. nothing. So it's like, you know, fucking try. If you have never tried, try. Give it six months of serious discipline. And then if you, if it doesn't work for you, quit. Give you it know? six months and you'll do it. But you'll, you'll do it forever. That's why forever. right now I'm like, the more we go on, the more I'm like, when the fuck do I get to go to the gym again? I'm getting edgy yeah, right now. Too. I'm just now like, I'm like I work ah, out. okay, I did, I did the weights. I did to, uh, no, it's absolutely. Well, one more thing I want to throw in there before we'll wrap things up, but we never mentioned it on, at least my podcast when you have been here, because something that you have been doing that I think I'm not going to try to just, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. <clears throat> at least I'm trying not to blow smoke up your ass. It's really that I'm, I love what you've done. It's something that I find pure genius, what you've done. It's the whole idea of doing live podcasts that right. you started doing over the past, what, year or so? Past year, year and or half, so, Something yeah. like that. It's genius because you are combining the, the setup of stand-up comedy, of having a live event where you go on stage with an yeah. audience with the more intimate kind of feeling of podcasting. Yes. And it's brilliant because, you know, in every podcasting, we have all these people who are downloading. We don't see them. We don't right. know who they are. It's I annoying. mean, you get to see the numbers. You get some cool emails, but there's no... Interaction. None whatsoever. 
And instead, we got to go to these uh, events, and you meet the people, you see the faces, yeah, you cool. get to... There are not that many people doing it. Did you just start kind of on your own as a fuck? Why not? This sound like a great idea. Yeah, did you see why somebody? Not try? We just tried. I tried <laughs> it at the improv in LA. We did mm-hmm. a live podcast. And lots of people came out, sold out. And uh, the people were, and I realized, oh man, this is what it's all about here because podcasting is such a communal, mm-hmm. you know, that's part of not to get back into the fucking exercise thing, but <laughs> part of that. What motivated me to do this in the first place is that people would come to me after these shows and they talk about having heard some conversation I had with someone and being inspired to go exercise and being inspired to get mm-hmm. in shape. Like, I've lost this much weight yep. or I've done this or I've done that. And I would hear them say that and I would be happy for them. But a part of me would be like, when are you going to start listening to the, your own fucking podcast and doing what apparently is coming out of it? And that inspired me mm-hmm. and got me going. It got me. So it's a community. Yeah. It's a community. Podca- it's the community of podcast listeners. And I don't mean specific to my podcast or your podcast, but the community of people who are engaging and absorbing podcasts and then connecting online through Reddit or through online forums or through Facebook. It's a community. Mm-hmm. And we're helping each other. Like, I, like, in the more that I reach out to the audience for questions for interviews. I, I, I just did that yep. with uh, Jim Woodring or the more that I get them to, or with art for t-shirts or with the more that I collaborate with them, the better the podcast gets. And the more that I take their, you know, uh, their point of view and don't have an ego reaction. If somebody's like, you're an asshole. Why are you bashing atheists? You some, cause like yep. in the, in one, you know, I was doing that where I was, I said, uh, I categorized all atheists as being internet forum trolls. <laughs> uh, it wasn't cool. It was right. lazy. It was yeah. stupid. It was lazy and stupid. Mm-hmm. And someone on the, on the forum. They called you on they it. They called me on it in a really yeah. cool way. And it's like, oh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm yeah. gonna, and now, like in this podcast and another in the intro I do for the one coming up, I'm going to say totally shouldn't have said that. It was lazy. And I've thought about it. And I've reconfigured my thinking a little yep. bit. So there's a growth that happens both ways. Mm-hmm. So the live podcast just seems like a natural expansion of what the medium really is, which is a collaborative effort, mm-hmm. which is why when I do podcasts live, we take questions from the audience. Yep. I try to have a conversation with them, uh, and I try to take suggestions from them about what mm-hmm. we should talk about in the beginning. And it's it's just an interactive medium, more so than stand-up and more so than any other medium that I've ever engaged in. So I, that's why it works. That's why live podcasts work. Yeah, because I remember you saying how you were beginning to enjoy that even more than uh, stand-up. doing stand-up. Yeah, um, for sure. Well, I love stand-up too. Of course. Stand-up is cool because it's a more focused sort of magnifying glass on the uh, that you could really like – you can really it's a it's freebasing it uh-huh. you know and it's it's a blast so i love them both like i've changed my my perception of that has changed since i said it. i i love them both yeah like, they're different I, I think probably was newer the yeah. live format of podcasting yeah. so it's like wow this is fucking amazing but yeah. of course it's different energies yes yeah no, but there's something, and I think there's something very freeing about the live podcast that if you want to be funny, you can, and yeah. you can throw in things that will make people roll on the floor. But at the same time, if you want to go into a 10-minute discussion on a more deeper philosophical level that yeah. you don't want to like throw something out there every 20 seconds, you can. 
and it's the freedom Beautiful. of the meet exactly and uh and i love the fact that then people get to actually meet each other you know the people who do listen rather than simply connecting on an internet forum they actually see each other face to face exactly and hopefully they make connections and mm -hmm. hopefully they keep hanging out and that's that's another thing you know so like some people there's there's a weird school of thought going around about podcasts, which is mm -hmm. don't start a podcast. The market is inundated mm -hmm. as though the reason to do a podcast is to get the numbers, right? Yeah. yeah like... Which is not the reason to do a podcast. Yeah. The reason to do a podcast is just what you were talking about in the beginning. It forces a conversational focus that is not accessible to most people via the normal means of communication these days. Uh, which is that we have now, most of us, have just given up and made the decision that if we're around somebody and we're having a conversation with them, they're going to look at their fucking phone somewhere <laughs> in the conversation. Right. You right. just deal with it. You just hope they're listening. But generally, you just know that's how diffused everything is. Yeah. So this makes it so that there is no escape into your fucking phone. There's just focus there's just connection mm -hmm. and it's beautiful. Yep. Something about the form, it creates a formality that is not out there anymore. So that's why I say start your own podcast. Do it. Just get some microphones, get the equipment, upload it to the internet. And who cares if six people listen to it? It's awesome. Six people you lose life you're touching. That's not a bad deal. Not a bad yeah. deal. I think everyone should do it. It's like saying that... that the, the, the school of thought that there's too many podcasts and you shouldn't do them is, to me, the same thing as saying there's too many canvases. Right. You shouldn't paint on them. Do you know how many people have painted? How many paintings are out there? What are you doing painting another painting? Exactly. You know, why would you? These You're writing a song? Yes. No, it's yeah. ridiculous. These are, <clears throat> this is a collaborative, linguistic painting that you're mm -hmm. doing with somebody over the course of an hour or, or, or however long you decide to do it. And that is the payoff. Mm -hmm. Everything after it is just sprinkles on the ice cream. <laughs> I love it. Do you have any idea how many podcasts are out there? No, I mean we don't. We could never guess. Thousands of thousands, but who knows? And who cares? Because it doesn't really matter. When you know, do what you want to do. And but yeah, man, the live format I thought it was genius because podcasting itself is. Uh, uh, you know, there are, it's amazes me, but there are still a bunch of people who never heard of podcasting. And so it's still to some degree a new form yes. of expression as right. much as for many people it's not. But then this idea of taking it live, now that is really new because I really don't know too many people who do that. And uh, I thought you did, you know, every time that uh, you invited me on and uh, we did like what, three, four, five, something like that of the yes. live podcast. I've had a blast every single Me time. Too. It has been just like, this is fucking awesome. I can't. I There's like... going to be more, man. I've got a mega tour coming up nice. starting in uh, March for two months. I'm going to be out on the road. Whoa. Two months starting in March and April. It's going to be stand-up and podcasts. Probably going to have a bus. So we're just going to be traveling around the country. From place to place. Yeah, doing podcasts, doing stand-up. It's going to be a big, big thing. And definitely, I'm going to want you to come do some podcasts. I love that. I, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you so much for, for everything, man. I bow in honor. I bow to you, of... my friend. Thank you. It's so great to see you, Daniel. Always good to see you.
You know, Pulali, when I consider the, 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 the mysteries of the universe, I like to be really high. Duncan is still here. What's going on? I'm channeling him. I see. That's what's going on? Yeah. So you sweet, nice folks, help us out with our Amazon link. Please do, especially holidays coming up, all that kind of stuff. Do all your shopping through our Amazon link. We'll deeply love you for that. And remember, again, when you shop on Amazon Ideal, you don't have it, items in your cart already because when you click, they don't give you credit for stuff like that. They have to be kind of new searches. Go through the portal through the website first. Exactly. And then you're stacking your goodies inside. And it's nothing added to your bill at all. It's no. just a piece that's broken off and handed our way to help you support people that you like, which is hopefully us, yeah. all nine of you. And it's uh, and the beauty of this is that yeah it takes about thirty seconds extra in two more clicks and that's it so easy enough guys it's Christmas time holiday time Kiva cards twenty five bucks for that bratty little you know the little shit nephew that you don't really want to get something for get something for that's going to torture him by the fact that he doesn't actually get it um, unless he actually hands the money out and has to wait ooh you know eighteen months for it to come back his way then he can. Get it back out from the website, but hopefully in that time he will have blossomed into a good human and uh, loan it out again and help somebody else out. You know, you <laughs> a fat chance. But anyway, it's something you can hope for as we get to the holiday season. Look, it must be chilly. I think it's I think it's down into the seventies. We're, we're layering today. What the hell is going on? I've been up to Big Bear. It's awesome. Uh, that gets um, really cold up there. Gretchen just went it. and saw the sequoias, and she was giving them high marks. General Grant, quite the awesome tree. Uh, the fact that we didn't cut it down is kind of mind blowing. Yeah. They must not. I had a helicopter to get to it. No, it's it's great. But yeah, yeah. Kiva.org, guys, uh, check it out. The, 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 the Kiva cards are really cool. You can either print them out yourself, make your own message, or they make little credit card things you could stick in a stocking. And our friendly, you know, your fellow listeners, not a bunch of them, 152 to be exact, have raised over $35,000 in loans for awesome, other man. folks. So, yes, I know we do it all wrong. We're not trying to line our own pockets, but we are trying to do a little good in the world and, um, you know, join in. On the other hand, trying to line our own pockets, uh, that was lecture series. If you haven't checked it out yet, seven hours extra of material with uh, 16 different lectures on Taoism. Check it out. It's in the, the link is in the episode notes. Link to our affiliates, Curacao Chocolate and Audible.com if you are in the market for either yummy chocolates or audiobooks and other form of audio entertainment. Uh, thank you to Daisy House Music for the usual soundtrack. And uh, do 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 donations. Let's do a quick thank you to not exactly many folks, but let's thank those noble souls. Let the pottering begin. We got this uh, this month. We have Chris Talent, Adam Wozneski, uh, David Peterson, Raghav Singh, Robert Primus, John Hatfield, and Andrew Kapoor or Kapoor or something. Thank you, fellas, as always. A lot of familiar names on there. Yeah, almost. Yeah, almost everybody. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Deeply, deeply appreciated. Anything else that we need to throw out there? Um, I think that's kind of covered, y'all. Thanks, Duncan, and we'll see y'all next time.
and so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Taoist Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as soon as they come out. You can keep track of Daniel at dbolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at richimon1. That's R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N, the numeral one. See y'all soon. In questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenze di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, eh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great, fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and. Uh, uh, your accent, it just. Whatever that movie is you were trying to tell me about. Can you translate for me, please? I believe the word was Tombstone. Yeah, that one, exactly. <laughs> Just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work.